is going to transition straight into uh, my message, which is called, he's calling you forward. He's calling you forward. See, a lot of people get used to, you know, hearing God, you know, hearing the statement, God's calling me out, God's calling me out, but actually God's calling you forward. So even when God corrects you, he's actually calling you forward. He's not pushing you down. When God corrects you, he's trying to set you free from the stuff that's holding you back. When God corrects you, he's actually trying to get you untangled from the things that have had you chained. He's not trying to tell you that your value is low. He's trying to tell you that your value is high. Because God would never give an effort to someone or something that had no future. Okay. Say they have a future. And it's good. Sometimes as silly as that sounds, you need to hear you saying that. Sometimes in the middle of going through really hard seasons, you need to hear you speaking life over you. You need to hear you agreeing with the word of God. You need to hear you disagreeing with the depression, the discouragement, and the darkness of the enemy. Okay? Okay. So most people miss purposes of seasons by misunderstanding what God is doing and instead judge his goodness by their present comfort. Most people miss the purposes of seasons by misunderstanding what God is doing because they judge their present season by their comfort. I'm not doing so good right now. Yeah, but I am moving. Like, I think it was Winston Churchill who said that if you're going through hell, whatever you do, don't stop. Keep going. Okay? Because it's okay to go through hell as long as you don't camp out there. (laughs) If you're going through hell, that means that you're going towards something. You're going through it. You're not staying in it. Okay, so though, though I'd be in a season of discomfort, I can't make that discomfort my identity, my value, or my destination. Yeah, come on. The second I start to agree with that, I'm actually agreeing with pain and suffering. It's okay for pain and suffering in seasons. It's not okay, but it is okay. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about that today. Is that okay? Yes. Okay, really good. Really good. Let's go to Genesis chapter 19. Genesis chapter 19. Thank you, God. I thank you that you're healing people in this room right now. Healing us in our minds, healing us in our bodies, healing our souls, healing our emotions. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, Genesis chapter 19, I'm going to read from verse 23. The angels have walked into Sodom and they're taking... Uh, Lot and his family out of Sodom. I'm going to read from verse 23. The sun had risen upon the earth when Lot entered Sodom. Then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. Can you just see that? It's it's better than any Marvel movie you've ever seen. I mean, God's just like, and this is like, it's literally hellfire. It's like a hellfire cat, right? Anyways. That's just my little imagination going crazy. <laughs> okay. So he overthrew those cities. All, and by the way, uh, scientists have proven that this is real. They've found Sodom and Gomorrah. They just don't tell you on the mainstream news because they're keeping you distracted with other things. They've found Sodom and Gomorrah, and the scientists have tested the soil, and they've said that the blast that hit those two cities was greater than a nuclear bomb. 
pretty hardcore. When God does things, he does things well. Anyways. <laughs> so we'll just leave that right there and keep moving. Okay, so the other three other cities, all the plain uh, and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. See, God, God destroyed everything because what was happening there was, was horrendous. And I don't have time to get into that, but it was more than just homosexuality. That got God's attention, but there was a lot more going on there. Okay, so, um, yeah, I better stop there because otherwise I'll get off on a tangent. Uh, and you don't need these tangents. Uh, all the inhabitants, uh, sorry, and what from the ground, but his wife looked back behind him and she became a pillar of salt. See, it's talking about the, like what God did here, and then it says, but Lot's wife. It doesn't even call him by her name. That's how much of a failure that was. It says that Lot's wife looked behind her. It wasn't that she was up on a scenic stop on the road. Okay, it wasn't a pit stop on the road where she was taking a little rest stop and looking over the city. It was that her heart was still connected with the sin. Yeah. Her heart was connected with her previous season and she was lamenting over what she loved. Yeah. That's why she turned to a pillar of salt. I don't know why God used a pillar of salt, it's just weird to me, but whatever. Okay. <laughs> um, that's what happened. So can I just tell you something? Your breakthrough is not behind you. One of the worst things that people say is, do you remember the good old days? Dude, they weren't good old days, otherwise you'd be in better days now. Amen. <laughs> if they really were good old days, that would have been a foundation for you to be much further along than you are now. Hello? Your breakthrough's not behind you, your breakthrough's ahead of you. And God's calling you forward. Here we go. <laughs> Jesus, help us. Help me. Okay, Matthew chapter 14. <laughs> Matthew chapter 14, and I'm going to read from verse 25. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them. By the way, they were sailing in a boat, walking on the sea. So when Jesus does things, he does things well. He, he didn't get another boat and then blow on the sails and then just like, you know, jet boat over there. He's, just, he's the original moonwalker because it was at night. He's like walking on the water. I mean, like, I don't know about you, but even if someone did that right now, that's just like, if you're out in Balboa, down here in Newport, and you're looking at the boats, and some random dude just walks across. Like, that's flipping weird, dude. What is going on? I don't care who you are. I mean, we went out fishing. We were like 70-something miles out. And you're just out there, and there's no land. You can't see nothing. And if some dude just comes walking by, firstly, the first thing you're going to do is rub your eyes. The second thing you're going to do is check if your water is actually water. It's like, did Jesus turn the water to wine again? Am I having problems here? But no, Jesus walked on the water. I mean, sometimes we've heard that story so many times that it's become a story. 
It's history. It happened. Jesus walked on water. So the first thing that they say, that it says that the disciples saw him walking on the sea and they were troubled, saying. Now, that's a very nice way of saying it, isn't it? They were deeply troubled. <laughs> Look, Peter, uh, just a year or two later, is cutting people's ears off. I, you know, that's after a year and a half more with Jesus. So let's just rewind from the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus, uh, Peter was rough around the edges. Okay? So he's probably dropping a few Jewish bombs. <laughs> okay? He's, he's tripping out. You don't, you don't think that that's the case, but Peter was rough. He was a sailor. Have you guys ever seen that thing, the world's deadliest catch? That's what I think about when I think of Peter. It's like he didn't come out of Harvard, right? He's... He's a fisherman. <laughs> and that's why I love that Jesus picked him. Because you don't have to be special for Jesus to use you. He's just looking for regular, sincere people. You don't need a theology degree. You just need a heartbeat. Okay. Okay. So, so they're deeply troubled, and, and probably Peter said, It's a ghost. Ghost hunters. And they cried out for fear. I mean, you know, that's got to be disconcerting. They did, look, you, see, the thing is, is that in our world, we have CGI. We have all of this. They didn't have CGI. They didn't have, like, you know, video games. They weren't used to seeing freaky stuff. That's not, that's not in front of their eyes all the time. When we see this, we have all the CGI. Like, you've watched, what is it, Pirates of the Caribbean, them dudes walking under the ocean? Like weirdos? You know, all that weird stuff. And so you're used to seeing that stuff, but for them, they're not. They've never, they don't have a grid for that. And so for the first time in their life, there's some dude walking across the water. I just want to make sure that's very clear right now because it wasn't like normal. Okay. So Peter's probably screaming, It's a ghost! It's a ghost! And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good courage or be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you. I mean, talk about debt doubting Thomas. Here's Peter got them, got them doubts as well. Look, there's a dude walking on the water and he's like, it's me, it's Jesus. And Peter's like, well, if it is you. <laughs> If it is you, Lord, command me to come out on the water because I want in on this. This is a new trick. I haven't seen it before. I've seen the water into wine. I've seen the bread breaking, but I haven't seen walking on water yet, and I want in on this. Okay? <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. And Jesus said, come. And Peter, and when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. He immediately stepped into what Jesus was walking on. Immediately. Okay? Now, we've skipped this part because it was prior to where I started reading this, but it was actually pretty uh, tumultuous. There was a bit of a storm going on. So there were some, some good waves. Even though it's a lake, they call it a sea for a reason because it's actually a huge body of water. And so those waves can get pretty, pretty ferocious. Um. So Peter was walking on the water, uh, but when he saw, you know that word but, 
is just the destruction of stories. (laughs) With one T, by the way. B-U-T. But, it's like everything was going good, but. Jesus was healing everybody, but. It was a great day until but. Right? So Peter was walking on water, but. When he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. You know, one of our problems in life is that God is actually looking after us, and then we start re- looking for the reasons why he's not. God's actually walking us through a season, and we start to look for all the things that are going wrong instead of all the things that are going right. We are naturally negative people when we don't have the fullness of the Spirit. We look for all the reasons. Like, like check this out. This is a classic one. God rains 10 plagues on Egypt. Hailstones that are just probably smashed the Sphinx's nose off. I don't know. I mean, they say it happened in World War I, but whatever. It probably was a hailstone. Fire, right? The whole Nile River turns blood red, which means stuff can't live in it, which means all the fish are dying. Okay? All the firstborn die. Like this is like, you know, step aside Charlton Heston. This is going next level. Right? Step aside all you dudes that did Avatar. What's that guy's name? What is his name? James Cameron. Step aside James Cameron. God is like reigning the ultimate God GI. Right? Not CGI, it's GGI. (laughs) Okay? There is just crazy stuff happening in Egypt. The children of Israel get up, they walk out of Egypt. By the way, they don't just walk out. All their neighbors are giving them silver and gold and saying, get out of here. Our, our firstborn have all died. We're, just, we've, we're losing everything. You guys need to go. You've been here for 400 years, but it's time to leave. Ta- take my gold. I mean, like, when does that ever happen, right? Like, it's, that's gnarly. They walk out. Pharaoh has a little conscience call, and he's like, you know what? We're losing all our slaves. Let's get the army together and chase them down to the Red Sea. We're going to block them off there and either recapture them or kill them. And God puts up a wall of fire, just, just a random wall of fire that appears out of nowhere, and stops an entire army, the greatest on the earth at the time, while the children of Israel casually walk through a sea that has split apart. Just, just a story. Right? And then... Because Pharaoh was so arrogant, he figured that the God of the Israelites was actually going to let him pass through the ocean too. So he undoes the wall of fire. And then Pharaoh goes down through the path that God had ever so kindly opened up, and then everyone's swimming. But even though that's all happened, there's a but. We haven't eaten. We like the leeks and the garlics in Egypt. Because we so easily forget what God's done for us by feeling discomfort in a season. Okay. So let's keep going here. He became afraid and and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said, Oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? 
Because just as much as we sow to God, God had actually been sowing to us. He'd been sowing to us raising the dead. He'd been sowing to us cleansing the leper. He'd been sowing to us multiplying bread. He'd been sowing us to us with the water and to wine. He'd been sowing us to it. Everywhere Jesus went, people were healed. Lazarus was coming out of his grave. Come on, there's the Mount of Transfiguration. There's all this stuff happening, and you're, you're, you're struggling with waves. You see how silly it looks when you actually break the story down? God's doing this amazing thing in your life, and yet waves are distracting you. It's a little windy, Jesus. Can you turn it down, please? No, it's the wind and the waves that are actually going to cause you to become great. Because it's not about your comfort today. It's about what he has for you around the corner. And we need to learn how to stand today in seasons of discomfort so that we can be kings and queens in the next seasons. It's so important. Because otherwise we get there as spineless, entitled orphans and think that we can rule, but we'll become tyrants. Oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat and the wind ceased, the, then, the, then. See, there's but, and then there's then. Then is where it's like, it's all coming back together. It's all good. We're going to make it. <laughs> then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. Your environment does not matter. Jesus being with you matters. Our problem is, is that we really believe Nike. Like, what are you talking about? This is a church. Well, like, just do it. Just if it feels good, do it. No, the problem is, is that's conditioned weak people. It's conditioned us to go with our feelings. I just, I just need to really, I need to listen to my heart right now. No, you need to listen to Jesus. That's what you need to listen to. You need, you need to listen to Jesus, and you need to actually go with what he's calling you to do. If he's got you on a path, you cannot say, well, it doesn't feel good, so it can't be God. There is not one scripture that you can give me where it's about feelings. We do not walk by sight. We walk by faith. And sometimes that faith will actually cause us to walk through seasons where everything looks like it's falling apart. Where immeasurable pressure's hitting us, and what we do is we start looking back and we say, you know, maybe I need to throttle back in this hardcore thing for Jesus. Because maybe the devil will leave me alone. I mean, that thought hits people. That's a real thought right there. The problem is, is the second you negotiate with the devil, you've just conceded. There is no surrender, there is no negotiation, there is no compromise with hell. There can never be compromise with darkness, ever. If the devil can get you to agree to back down, you've just told him how to destroy the rest of your life. If you show him where it hurts, he now has the formula to dismantle your entire life. You need, to, you need to listen to me on this because it's very important. When people compromise, the devil will never stop because you've just given him the pin code access key to get inside your life. and He knows where your breaking point is now. That's why it says that they that abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Come on. It talks about, yea, well, we're going to read it in a little bit. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. 
right? The problem is, is we need to divorce the idea that there is a tap-out point. I'm going to say it again. We need to divorce the idea that there is a tap-out point threshold. That's why I respect men and women who have laid their lives down for the gospel. That right now, like as, as in today, right now, there are Christians being tortured to death right now in China. The Chinese government is having a huge crackdown on the churches. They are literally going into churches, rounding everyone up, literally bulldozing the church right in front of everyone. And then they're beating people, putting them in like little animal cages. Like that's happening today, right now. And you know what? They're not bowing. Have we become so comfortable that we have a tap-out point? See, the Jesus I know is the strongest man that's ever lived. He had every ability and justifiably reasons to tap out of the cross. He could have leveled everyone like a nuclear bomb. He did it in the Garden of Gethsemane. Just by saying, I am he. You go read the passage. All the, they, they say there was probably about 300 temple guards showed up, armed. Armed guards showed up with Judas. wasn't like five guys. Well, that five guys is down the road. But <laughs> it, it wasn't like four or five guys, okay? It, it was, they, they say it was up to 300 guys. And when Jesus stood up, because they said, are you Jesus of Nazareth? He said, I am he. And it says they all fell down like dead men. See, that'll mess up with your, you can't get slain in the Holy Ghost theology. Jesus, he didn't even have a prayer line. He just said, I, it's me. <laughs> this Holy Ghost wave goes out of him and everyone gets level on the ground. Woo! Isn't he awesome? <laughs> just wiped everyone out by saying, yeah, it's me. Hi, guys, it's me. Oh, are you guys all right? Shall I pick you up? So you can take me away and kill me? It's out there, man. Jesus is awesome. Your environment doesn't matter. Jesus being with you matters. We need to stop judging our success by our comfort. We need to stop judging our success by how awesome things may or may not be going. That's why Paul said, he said, I've learned to, be, uh, to abound, to do, prosper, to do really well, but I've also learned to be abased and suffer. But in all things, I can do all things, right? In all these different things, his grace is sufficient. In all these things, I'm going to make it. In all these things, I'm going to be satisfied in God. In all these things, I'm not going to make those things about who I am. Okay. Someone getting something today? I want to encourage you that you're not going backwards, you're going forward. And God is calling you forward. One of the greatest problems we have in life is that we become easily stagnant. And we build our today on our knowledge of yesterday. And what we do is we're like, well, I'm not going to press in right now because I've got enough and I need to grow other areas of my life. I need to just take it easy right now and go into cruise control. That is not an option. This is the kingdom. Your rules don't matter. His rules matter. And so the thing is, is that stagnancy is actually uh, soul rot. Can I be that blunt? When we're stagnant, you actually are not paused. You're going backwards. There is only forward or backwards. 
That's why Jesus said, either hot or cold. You need to choose what you're, what you're doing. You know, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom. Do you understand that? When you, when you engage, it's not about turning back. It's not about going backwards in sin. It's not about going backwards in lamenting. It's not about going back to the good old days. There is only one. See, it says this about Jesus. Jesus, and by the way, he wasn't in Jerusalem. He was a ways off yet, and it, it, the it wasn't like a week before Calvary. It says Jesus set his face like a flint towards Jerusalem to do the will of the Father. Now, he made several stops on the way there, but he knew where he was going. Where are you going? You're going forward. You're, you're going forward. You're not going to be in the same situation and place in life that you are today this time next year. You're going forward. God has a purpose over you, and you need to agree with it, and you need to start to become relentless in that, where it's like, no, I'm going to progress. Yeah. I may have been pushed back. I may, feel like I, fe- I may feel like I've fallen over a couple of times. I may feel like I was, I was held back a little bit, but I'm going to move forward now. I'm going to move forward, and I'm going to start to conquer some stuff in my life. And that might look like going to war with a few things. It might, it might look like going to war with a few belief systems, a few bad habits, um, a few compromises a few sins, where it's like, no, I don't want to live in the low, 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 like, plains like Lot did. I want to keep moving. Okay, so what's my time? Okay, I need to land in a little bit. (sighs) Let's go. I've got two more scriptures. Psalms chapter 23. I like this one. Very famous passage. Psalms 23. (coughs) I'm going to read from verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. What that means is the Lord actually is in charge of my life. See, shepherd in our culture sounds really cute. But a shepherd is actually a sheep boss. (laughs) Think about that. (laughs) It's like, meh, I'm going to go over here. No, you're not. I'm going to put a little stick around your neck and pull you back. You know the cute picture of Jesus the Good Shepherd with that stick with the little round question mark on the top of it? That's called a crook. Not a crook, a crook. Okay, and what that's used for is when the sheep's running off, he just puts it around its neck like a lasso and pulls it back. See, Jesus actually is going to control you. How you like that? If any man would follow me, he must deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. <laughs> See, following God looks like death to self. And sometimes God helps us there by taking us through seasons that are really, really tough. And then we say, like Jesus, what we do is we try and sound real spiritual and we say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? <laughs> and he's not. I've just got a crook around your neck and we're walking through a tough season. Don't run away. Don't excuse yourself from this season because if you do, you'll excuse yourself from your destiny. Because this discomfort is actually what's qualifying you to get to your destiny. It's so important to get this. I'm moving forward. I might be in a tough season right now, but I'm not staying here. I'm moving forward. I might feel like things have fallen apart in my life, but I'm not staying here. I'm moving forward. I might feel discouraged right now and even like I've messed up and I'm a failure and I've, I've kept doing this one area of sin, but I'm not staying here, I'm moving forward. I might feel like 
I have no worth, but I'm not staying here, I'm moving forward. Because I know in my mind, that I know in my heart that's not true. My environment's telling me differently, but God's told me otherwise. And while I'm struggling to believe that, I'm not staying here, I'm moving forward. Amen? Okay. Yeah, I've written this little note here. My breakthrough, oh no, I didn't stop. I didn't, I only got, I think I got to the first little bit. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And what that means is I shall not lack. Okay, awesome. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I shall not want. I will not lack. He makes me. He doesn't ask me. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Green represents rest, healing, restoration, health. Prosperity, that's what green represents. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Do you know that sheep? They have their. I know a lot about sheep. I come from New Zealand. They don't have their nostrils on the side, they have their nostrils on the front of their nose. Now, that might not mean a whole lot to you, but what that means to me is that sheep cannot drink from running water. They cannot drink from turbulent water because they'll drown. Because they can't breathe while they drink. So sheep actually have to drink from still waters. You have to drink in calm seasons. And Jesus knows that you can't live constantly in... Now look, here's the thing. You are going to walk through the fire and the water is going to try and overtake you sometimes. But it's not going to get there. Okay? And you, although we are called to battlefields... We're not called to live on battlefields. We visit battlefields. Hello? Are you with me? See, I I am a warrior. If you know me, you know I'm a warrior. But I am not made to live on the battlefield. When the battle calls, I will answer. But we have to live in seasons of peace. He leads me by still waters. Someone with me? He restores my soul. See, we constantly actually need Jesus attending to our soul because life is traumatic at times. I don't care who you are. Life can be traumatic. And we need Jesus to be able to come and restore our soul, to heal our our emotions. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Do you know that God is putting his righteousness on you so that he looks good? In Ephesians, when we're given the breastplate of righteousness, we're not given the breastplate of our own righteousness. We're given the breastplate of His righteousness. So that just takes all your striving out of it. So God is leading us in the path of righteousness for His reputation. When it says His namesake, what that means is so that He looks good. (laughs) Someone needs to get that. You just need to quit striving in the season. Strive against sin. Strive against going back to who you used to be, but don't strive to be good enough. There's a difference. There's certain things you do need to strive over, and there's other things you shouldn't strive over. We rest in the righteousness of God. Okay. Now, this is the part here that I'm getting to. Yay. That's not Y-A-Y. Yay is actually Old English for yes. Okay? Because sometimes it's like yay. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) 
yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Like, no one says yea about that. I think God put that there on purpose. Even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. See, contrary to a lot of popular Christian teaching, God has called you to walk through difficulties because those difficulties are actually tools that are going to qualify you. A lot of modern teaching tells us that everything's going to be perfect the minute you give your life to Jesus. That is not true. Actually, life and the planet that we live on is actually the workshop of God to perfect us for eternity. The more that I'm like living this thing out, the more I'm starting to realize how expansive eternity is and how infinite that is and how short this life is. Like I just turned 40 and it doesn't feel like, I feel like I'm 27. So fast. And in a minute I'll be 80. Can you imagine me 80? Actually there was that app just recently it's blown. <laughs> that app that made everyone look old. Yeah. I look like Frodo Baggins, man. That's messed up. So just in case you're not around, I'm probably gonna look something like that. Like something between an orc and Frodo Baggins will probably <laughs> That's messed up. Anyways, in just a minute here, this life's gonna be over. And we're gonna realize that this was a training camp for a much greater purpose that we don't even understand yet. We haven't even been told what heaven actually is about yet, if you notice. All we know is that we're going to worship the king. But it says that we're going to rule and reign with him. Rule and reign what? And it says that we will rule cities. Now, if there, there, there is not a billion, there's not a billion cities on this planet. Can we agree with that? There's only like seven point something close to eight billion people on the earth, right? There's not a billion cities on this planet. There's more than a billion Christians in heaven. So what city, I don't, I'm not going to get into some weird theology thing with you, but right now just realize that the book says we're going to rule and reign in cities, over cities. Heaven is much bigger than we currently understand. Eternity is far more expansive than any Marvel comic that you could tap into. It's way out there, okay? And there's things on purpose that, God, that says that no mind has ever thought or has it entered into the heart what God has prepared. We don't get it yet, is what it's saying. You don't get it yet. I don't get it yet. This life is a training camp for that. Stop making your existence about this life. If I get to the end of this life and it hasn't been super comfortable, if things haven't been super successful, if, if everything hasn't gone my way, if I haven't perfectly fulfilled my dreams, that's okay. What matters is, what has God done in here that I've agreed with and let him do his work in me because the other side of this life matters so much more than my comfort today. Does that matter? I mean, does that, does that make sense? Okay, cool. I don't want to get anyone too far into the science fiction channel. But, but I want you to understand, because it's so easy to get caught up in this life and the injustices of this life and the comfort of this life and the pain and the, that stuff, it's all real, but it's not real. Heaven's real. Okay. So even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
Now, I think I've shared this before, but I'm going to say it again. When you're in hard seasons, David's talking about being in hard seasons here. Your rod and your staff. The, the, the rod actually is a weapon that shepherds use. And that's for the enemy. That's for the wolves and the lions that come to eat the, the sheep. That's the rod. See, don't, see, real pastors, they're like Jesus. They have a rod and a staff. They're going to go after the enemy over your life, but they're also going to try and guide you. The, the, the staff is the crook that I just told you about. So Jesus has this rod, which is basically a baton. Okay, and he also has a crook, which is your guidance. So when I'm in difficult seasons, I have to know that Jesus is my defender and he's my GPS. If it's dark and I can't see anything and I can smell the breath of death around me, he has a rod, he's my protector. And he has a staff, he's my guide. Does this make sense? Okay. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. This scripture here, we need to get this. Goodness and mercy are following you all the days of your life, especially when you can't feel God. You know there's certain days where you just don't feel like God's presence is around you? That's rough. I mean, I feel like that too sometimes. I feel the anointing, but sometimes I don't necessarily feel his presence. That doesn't mean I've sinned. That might mean there's warfare trying to contend for the atmospheres around my life. And so at times, I really want you guys to listen to this. At times, we feel that an absence of God's presence is his disapproval. But he's told us that he'd never leave us nor forsake us. Is God a liar? No, that means God's with us all the time. That what it really means is there's an atmosphere demonically trying to contend to make you feel cut off from God that is not a failure where God has rejected you. I need you to get that. You have not been rejected by God, and that's why you can't feel his presence. There's atmospheres, and that's why we need to worship our way into breakthrough. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in place in the house of the Lord forever. Watch this. I wrote this note. My breakthrough is knowing God is only leading me towards good. We have to believe that God is only ever taking us to good, but it might mean that it's going through something difficult. So I wrote here that my breakthrough is, is knowing that God is only leading to meet me towards good, even if that looks like path, passing through difficult seasons. So we don't despise the season or we don't look at the season as God's judgment on us. That's what the devil... See, the devil understands that God's taking you somewhere good. And he understands that for God to take you somewhere good, he's taking you through a difficult season. So the devil shows up in the difficult season. He says, see, God's abandoned you. See, you've been discarded. See, God doesn't, want, God doesn't love you anymore. You've done something that's caused him to reject you. And he starts to spin lies. Because if you believe those lies, instead of walking through hell, you'll sit down in it. And if he can get you to sit down on your season, he can stop you getting to your destination. Come on, somebody. You've got to keep going. Your destination is ahead of you. God is calling you forward. Amen? Okay, last scripture. I hope someone's being encouraged today. We have, to, we have to really come to a place in our own personal hearts where we make a covenant. No matter what hell throws at me, no matter what happens in life, I will not quit. 
I will keep moving forward. I will not look back. I will not go back to my old comforts. I will not go back to my old friends. I will not go back to my old sin life. I will not go back to the struggles. I will not look back and say it was good back when. Last scripture. Hebrews 12 verse 1. Another famous passage. Hebrews 12 verse 1. Therefore, since we are also surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. I said this a couple of years ago. I said, I've been reading this since I was a little boy. But there's actually two different things that the scriptures identify here. Because when we think about the scripture, we're just thinking about all the things that we do wrong. It says, let us lay aside every weight and, that's number one, number two, and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Two things you need to get rid of. One thing is the sin that messes you up. You know where the devil hits you with that one thing that's just your weak point, that's becoming strong point, and it just it stunts you where you feel like, man, I just lost some progress. I just feel like I'm just stunted for a minute here. I just feel messed up. I feel like things got destroyed, right? That's the sin that so easily ensnares you. That's the stuff that's coming after your destiny. But there's something else. It says, let us lay aside every weight. What is every weight? It's the stuff that you can get away with. It isn't necessarily blatant sin, but it's distracting you from the best. It's the stuff that's going to slow you down. It might be pointless, it might be pointless social stuff. It might, be, it might be certain relationships that are just like blowing. Ooh, God was like, touch. Did you hear Jesus touch the microphone right now? <laughs> it, it might be, yeah, it might be my mustache probably. It, it, might look like, it might look like certain things that are actually hindering you from being totally sold out. So we have to lay aside the things in seasons. And look, honestly, prepare while you're in a good season. Yeah. Don't wait till it gets rough. The worst thing you can do is go into relax mode when it's good and peaceful. When the devil's left you alone for a season until he can come back at a more opportune time. Remember that's what it said about Jesus after he tempted him for 40 days? So after 40 days, he tempted Jesus, and Jesus resisted him those three times that we're told about. And it says, and the devil left for a more opportune time. So the devil's always looking for opportunity. So don't, when he leaves, don't go, cool, back to my old devil ways. <laughs> we don't say that, but that's, look, comfort and, and relaxation and peace can be some of your worst enemies. Because the devil's either attacking you or he's figuring out how to. Think about that. I'm not being negative and I'm not, I'm not focusing on the devil. I'm focusing on Jesus. But we have to actually pay attention to that. Because he's an opportunist. And he will either get you in fear or he'll get you in excess. Here, let, let me give you another one that I've talked about a lot recently. David, King David. He killed the bear, he killed the lion, he killed Goliath. Saul had finally died after 14 years. He'd, been, he'd lived a pretty brutal life. And then it was springtime, the time that kings go to war. And instead of being at war, David was like, you know what, I'm going to sit this one out, fellas. And he's sitting himself out up on the temple, up on the palace roof, looking at some naked chick taking a bath. I mean, that's wrecked. Okay, next thing, naked chick's in his house. 
and they're making babies. Can we be real? Why? It all happened. And then he's killing her husband. And then he's lying. And then he's finally getting called out by Nathan the prophet. When we try and take it easy, that's when the worst stuff creeps in on us. That's why it says, always be vigilant. Because your, devil, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may be an opportunist towards. Get this. Okay, real quick, I need to wrap it up. I apologize, I've gone 10 minutes over, but I'm pretty sure you'll be all right. You're just going through a season. Just don't stop. <laughs> okay, where were we? Let us, wait, uh, let, it, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance, not in bursts. You know, like the, the story of the tortoise and the hare? Well, I'm doing real good right now. I'm going to take a little rest for a minute because God knows I need some time out. Time out from what? Just deal with the fact that this is your life. There is no, I cannot turn off. I cannot be, here, let me say this. Because now, now while my primary identity is a son of God, that's, that's more than anything, that's more than being a pastor, it's more than being a father, I'm a son of God. I'm his son, Okay. But I cannot be a pastor on fire in the Holy Ghost one week and a deadbeat, messed up sinner sitting in the back because I'm all broken the next week because I took a break. Hello. We must run with endurance. The race set before us. <laughs> just want you to get this. I'm not trying to make anyone feel condemned. I'm just saying that we have to run with consistency. And if you're going to go to war with sin, just do it. That's it. I'm done with that thing now. It's over. Okay. Okay. So let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. It's that same looking. I'm looking forward. I'm not looking back to Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm not looking at the winds and the waves. I'm looking at Jesus. Hello. Are you with me? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting messed up with all these different things. I'm looking at Jesus. Okay, so looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him, the joy wasn't at the cross. The cross was in between the joy and Jesus. Jesus had to walk through the cross to get to the joy. Come on, somebody. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross and despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I'm going to finish with this one last statement. You move in the direction of the thing you are looking at the most. You move in the direction of the thing that you are looking at the most. If you keep looking at Jesus, you're going to move in the right direction. You might have struggles. Get the right people's voices speaking into your life. Don't go to the people that are going to comfort you and encourage you to throttle back. When hell hits me, I throttle forward. Those of you around me know that. If, if hell hits me, we're throttling forward. And you know what, devil? All you've done is you've exposed a new level of intensity in my life. And that level of intensity is going to become the new norm. You're so intense. Yeah, I'm not defeated. And I'm going to get used to this new level of intensity in this season. And then when I come out of this season into peace, that intensity is going to become the platform that I get ready to throttle into the next level of intensity the next time you show up. Oh, you're so hardcore. Yeah. What else are you called to be? I'm not called to be defeated. 
I'm not called to be a victim. I am called to be a son of God, and I'm here to represent the throne of heaven, and I'm going to represent it well. I'm not perfect. I'm not. I have my struggles like you do, but I'm not going to quit. I am not going to, I'm not going to settle, and I'm going to keep moving forward. I'm going to keep looking into the eyes of Jesus saying, I can do this. I can do all things through you, Jesus. I can do this. I can do this. We can make this together. Otherwise, pressure becomes your point of quitting. So looking unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith, looking, I want to become like you, so I'm going to behold you. The Bible says that when he comes back through the clouds, I love the scripture, when he comes back at the end of time, the, the sky is going to be rolled back, and those of us that are left on the earth are going to rise up to meet him, and when we see him, we shall be like him. When you look at Jesus, you become like Jesus. Keep looking at Jesus. Look at him more in your difficult seasons, and you'll make it. Amen. Why don't we stand to our feet? Father, we thank you for today. We thank you, Jesus, that you are not a quitting God. And as a result, we are not quitting children. <laughs> Father, I just thank you that you're encouraging us today. You're causing us to have hope. You're causing us to check the areas where we've been in compromise, where we've settled, where we've slacked off a little bit, God. And I just thank you that your strength is made perfect in our weakness. So we just put up our hands in the areas where we've been weak in these areas, God, and we say we ask for your strength to be made perfect in our weakness, that we would actually have determination and tenacity like you did, Jesus, that we wouldn't look at the wind and the waves, and even if we have, you would teach us to walk on top of those situations. In Jesus' name, I speak life and blessing and courage over every person here and every person watching this message right now in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Father, that you are helping us, you're equipping us, and you're causing us to be focused on you, that we are going to run our race with endurance. We're going to make it to the end. We're going to finish strong, and we are not going to quit in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for today. I bless every person here. I speak life over every person here, and I thank you that this week is going to be our best yet. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.